Lance, what's up, man? Repeat what you just said, because I just hit record. Yo, man, what's up, Lance? Oh, I'm doing well. How about yourself, Dan? Good, man. (laughs) That's a good good mustache. Thank you, dude. It's coming in sweet, man. I'm getting girls. You look like one of those guys that boxes like this. Put him up, Shay. Put him up, Shay. Mm-hmm. I want you to meet Sergeant Pepper and the Rainmaker. Oh, Sergeant Pepper. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then um, I guess you call um, I guess you call your bowel movements the lonely sharts. Oh, mm-hmm. the lonely sharts Stru- club band. The lonely sharts club. Ah, well, I'm missing it. Ugh. I'm still getting up. I got my first cup of coffee. <laughs> it is the morning. It, it is, is the morning. Dude, I was podcast ever. You mentioned you mentioned coffee, man. I'm thinking about getting back in the caffeine game. Dude, a little bit of it, man. It's nice. And for you, I'd look at mud water, dude, instead of coffee. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, I actually saw mud water. I haven't really read into it, but I'm right now I'm thinking green tea, but I'll look into mud water yeah. more. Dude, it's good. I uh, They have like a monthly subscription that you can just get like refills and you'll use it in a month if you use it every day. And Sounds expensive. It's, uh, it's not too bad um, for like the price of like good coffee. It's relative to, you know, going and picking up coffee from a, a roaster. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to swing okay. by Charlottesville actually, I think Sunday or Wednesday and pick up some Millie's. Dude, hit a brother up, man. I know. Dude, that's, yeah, I'm bringing it up. Yeah, if you want to meet for lunch or something like that, I'll be passing through to go to Snowshoe. Or on the return trip, I'll be passing back through. Um, hit me up. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We dude, could do a dude, live dude. podcast if Ooh, you have time. That'd be cool. Yeah, Sunday, I definitely have time. Yeah. In the, in the evening, because there's a Liverpool game I'm going to go watch at 2.15. And then... Uh, at yeah. your brewery? Yeah, yeah, but nice. I'm gonna just drink that seltzer water. I'm off of the sauce. So you're off the sauce. That's off right. I sauce. forgot. Yeah. Nice, dude. Mm-hmm, Congrats. Mm-hmm. Good times. Yeah. How man. do you feel? Dude, really good. Man, the fact that I can wake up in the morning and just start going is awesome. Dude, that was the Ugh. that was the game changer for me when I quit. I was like, wait a second, what's this morning feeling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this alertness i feel before 6 a.m <laughs> i feel alert and awake and i don't feel any sort of drag yeah dude i but it is funny because i'm still like allowing my brain to you know refigure itself and <laughs> there's so many like slip-ups that happen like yesterday i swore it was monday that's I just, hilarious. Yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, Dan and I do a podcast Tuesday morning. Sent you a message. You're like, yeah, sure, I'm down. I'm like, da-da-da, well, cool. <laughs> dude, I was kind of weirded out that you texted me that, actually, because I'll, I'll bring it up now, too. Because yeah. uh, because I had a dream like that. I had a dream. <laughs> basically, last night, I had a dream that I basically just had a mundane dream about Monday. Mm-hmm. So I, like, woke up for a hot second thinking it was Tuesday. Because I ordered an Amazon package that said it would be here on Tuesday. And it sent me a notification that it's coming today. And I'm Uh like, what? But they like sped it up because they're so fast. So we had the same thing going on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, you know, I just got into the last about five days. I've just been writing this thesis paper and I just zoned out, man. I had no idea what day it was. I was like, and then 
today I went, oh yeah, it's only Monday. I got an extra day. <laughs> You're in a time warp, bro. Uh-huh. Speaking yeah. of that, uh, speaking of time warps, there we should start a countdown for this podcast for daylight savings. Oh, okay. What day is that we'll, again? I always forget. We'll, March 14th, dude. March 14th, that's right. Yeah. Dude, mm-hmm. across the land, people's seasonal affective disorder will lift. Dude, we should uh, do a podcast during the hour that doesn't exist. In two in the morning? Yeah, two in the morning. The two nice. in the morning podcast. Just be like, and here's no man's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that would be, <laughs> with spring forward, it would be at two o'clock. It would be three. You would set it to three. Yeah. 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 Do a live That's podcast crazy. for all you four followers. <laughs> yeah. The OGs. You're the forefathers. Mm-hmm. What if we started calling the forefathers the uh, the founding dads? Oh, hey, Papa. Hey, Papa I think Washington. That, I think that would make it better because it would make them less of like these like religious deities, you know? Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, the founding fathers, they can do no wrong. The Constitution is like Moses on on the mount, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, man, these people are humans, bro. Yeah, they yeah, they, they had they, <laughs> they had a lonely lonely sharks club band too. So yeah, I think we've most of us have seen Hamilton by this point. We know it was no. messed up. No, I haven't seen it, dude. No. It's on well, Disney I, Plus for free. I know. I saw the first five minutes and I hated it, so I turned it what? off. What? Yeah. We have- completely different tastes and dude it's not the (laughs) plot it's the medium i cannot stand stage acting what dude that's crazy what is is this i see i'm walking over to talk to mary i'm gonna overact the shit out of this scene that's bad stage acting (laughs) no dude you have to overact the shit out of it so everyone can hear you you gotta Mm -hmm. project and like Oh my God. You know, you got it. Like, why are you yelling, Phil? We're in a bedroom. Yeah. You got to watch it, man. The choreography, the songs, it is awesome. The stage presence. It's, is it's there, not over the top. It's, is there nudity in it? No, there's not. Sorry. Then I'm not watching it. Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> is not in it. <laughs> Damn it. Or Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. I mean, Emma Watson. Yep. I don't know. I don't know that reference. Uh, she Hermione. Did a, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, she no, she didn't do like no Daniel Radcliffe. Actually, after uh, Harry Potter was a stage actor for a little while. And one of his things to like break away from the role was he he was naked on stage. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. My only reference. I was just piggybacking off of your Radcliffe. There was no real reference. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. I just thought. Well, have you seen uh, Swiss Army Man or whatever? Dude, that movie yeah, is? that's so crazy. That's just a wild movie. I love that movie. That was nuts. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I just saw another good one by him, Escape from Pretoria. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast already. I haven't heard but, of it. Uh, so it's um, these uh, two guys uh, down in South Africa. They get tossed into prison. Um, for trying to bring awareness to apartheid and for equal rights. And they wind up escaping from this prison, long story short, but it's a really cool, just a cool story. It's uh, based off on a true story as well. And 
it's just really cool to watch. It's really fun, really engaging. It's on Hulu cool. for anybody out there. Um, Dude, I need to get on Hulu and watch my Rick and Morty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I tossed that on the other day. I'll check that out, man. I'll check Escape from Pretoria. I do need some shows. I've been mm-hmm. watching this crazy mind bender on Netflix, which has been awesome. But oh. I, I need something new. Yeah. Now, this is just a good one. Like the lady and I watched it. Um, the best thing that we've watched recently just came out Nomad Land. Haven't seen it. Uh, it's awesome. It's about just people living in vans and traveling around, working odd jobs and just sort of cool. you know, staying. gypsies. Yeah. The, uh, the wagoneers of, you know, modern day. Word. Little hippies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, I've been watching Behind Her Eyes. Have you seen that on Netflix? Nah, I haven't seen that one. Oh my god, man! Your your wife would probably love it. Okay, it's such a it's such like it's so like female oriented. Like mm-hmm. it's it's really juicy stuff. But like guys would like it too. But yeah. it's really juicy. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it. You out. know, not behind, to be sexist or anything. Behind closed eyes. Behind her eyes. Behind her eyes, God. Let me put yeah. that down. But these are all good shows. I'll have to. I'll have to jump on Hulu and get that and the Pretoria one. Yeah, the uh, uh, the lead for Nomadland is uh, Francis Francis McDermott. Oh, um, McDermott. Like, yeah, yeah, she's cool. She's awesome. Uh, and yeah, it just follows her as she's she's hopping around. And it I is love also her. it is also based off on a true story as well. I love her in Three Billboards. Dude, she is. That might be the best acting I've ever, ever witnessed. She's that was a great just, movie. That movie is, it's, that movie's a roller coaster, man. It will make you cry, and then immediately you're laughing. You're just like, I what know. is happening right now? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Dude, yeah. By the way, Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe, is a very short man. Mm-hmm. He's very, very short. Yeah, you got to get those camera angles right. Yeah, you got to get those elevator shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bro. Oh, yeah. Nah, he's, he's, he's good, though. Uh, I've been digging all this stuff that he's put out since... Uh, since the, Harry Potter. Since, since he left the wizarding world. You know what I'm thinking? Eventually, in like 20 years, they'll do an, a, another Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Probably. Just like reboot it, revamp it. Yeah, just another cash grab. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have what the magical world of Hogwarts now, so they gotta they gotta get all those kids digging it again. You know, get the exactly. n- the new generation. I asked my sisters about Harry Potter, and they're like, eh, never read it, maybe seen a movie." And they're fourteen, so you know, gotta get that gotta get that next generation. That next gen, bro. Mm-hmm. I've got something kind of crazy to admit about Harry Potter, actually. I I read the first six books. And then didn't read the last one. Didn't read the last one. <laughs> it was like, uh, it was perfect timing, man. I was perfect timing. Because the first one I read when it came out when I was like 12, I think. Mm-hmm. Something I read it like with that. my mom. Like, yeah. that was our like nighttime reading. Yeah. And I, I, um, I used to be like an obsessive reader over like certain books. So... I read the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series straight mm-hmm. through like five or six times. 
And I was obsessively reading Harry Potter too. It was that type of thing where I would, mm -hmm. I read the first one and the second one wasn't out yet. So I read the first one again and I would like obsessively read. I think I read the fourth one multiple times just to like read it. And then by the time the seventh one came out, I had just gotten my job at the beach. I think I was in my, maybe my second, my first, no, probably Fresh, my first, yeah. my year. first, yeah. It was my first summer at the beach, uh, mm -hmm. my rookie season. And I remember sitting down to read it. Mark Hell bought it for me. Markel, I, I won't name drop, but Markel. Markel. Uh -huh. Yeah. And um, Mark, Mark bought it. He was down there and I like picked it up to read it, got through like half a page or a page and got a text about a party. Yeah. I put, I put mm -hmm. the book down. And I never picked it up again. You've left it on, on the stand. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> don't do, don't do natty light, kids. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it's just gonna make you dispassionate to read Harry Potter, and nobody wants that. It's also gonna make you enjoy really bad beer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. I don't know if I was enjoying that as much as I was enjoying the uh beer games that went along with it mm -hmm. oh so many good games yeah exactly yeah did my I, screen go blank yeah where'd dan go i can't I'm see get, him no more sorry i'm getting a phone call i i turned it off <laughs> i got a phone call like, yeah you're not important <laughs> no i don't even know who is probably a telemarketer because it didn't have a name on it mm -hmm. yeah those are so much fun i love them all the robocalls yep Hi, person whose phone this is. You have a very important information document that I need to give to you. Please call back. We're calling about your car's extended warranty. Dude, if I hear one more extended warranty, I'm like, I got USAA. I have the cheapest auto insurance. Get yeah. out of here. I wish there was some sort of way we could like track down the address. Like you can robocall me, but you have, to, but your address has to come up on the screen so I can send you some mail. Yeah, dude. Yeah, there should be much more transparency in like how they're getting one, just how they're getting the numbers. Two, yeah. Why? Why that's even legal, dude? It's it shouldn't solicitation. be legal. You can't walk up to somebody's door if they're say if they have a sign out saying no solicitation. But you know we don't care. We just sell the shit and make money. That's why I love Andrew Yang, man. That's one of his policies make Dude. robocalls illegal yeah you shouldn't and they're they're pointless there's absolutely no value the only time i think a robocall is all right is if you have like i took um the dog in for like a grooming and nail clipping and stuff like that and a real person did call and leave a message but if you have a like a robocaller set up just to remind people of appointments that's all right with me it's something that they've already oh. subscribed to if you oh well that's not yeah a, technically a robocall yeah uh, that's it's using a robot to make a call that's you know well true that <laughs> that's all i'm saying if you don't subscribe to something you shouldn't get a call about it yeah extended warranties health insurance uh you know viagra mm -hmm. all that Ta stuff the fake tax calls that's yeah. the one that's crazy it's like how you do know that most of those calls are scams why are they legal why are they allowed dude yeah, I got a I got a oh. scam call from a guy named Mr. Smith, and mm -hmm. he had an Indian Indian accent, and he was calling to say that my I'm like 
a year overdue for my IRS bill and I'm about to be put in jail. You're like, nah, I'm, no, I'm and I'm like, I'm like, I am. <laughs> and I like kept him on the phone as long as I could. Yeah. Just put it on speaker and just yeah. put on music and cause you know, they can't hang up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Hold on one second. Let mm-hmm. me put you on hold and then play like sublime, like <laughs> bad fish. Just on repeat and back. Yeah. Baby, I'm a bad fish too. Dude. Yeah. That's, it goes into something I wanted to chat about today. Just, you know, why the people that know that the calls are fake and then the ones that actually buy into them and are willing to risk, you know, giving somebody, you know, their account number or, yeah. um, and just the different types of ways that like we, we gain the knowledge of the world to figure out, you know, what is truth and what is not. Uh, and there's this uh, cool idea, uh, old school, like uh, Greek idea of uh, the types, two, two major types of intelligence. Um, and uh, the first one, it's uh, intellectus. It basically means intuition. It's something that, you know, is within you um, and that you're able to discern the truth of a thing. And then it's, there's this other one called uh, ratio or ra- ratio is how it's spelled, but I'm pretty sure in Latin it's pronounced uh, ratio. And uh, this is deductive and logical um, reasoning. You're breaking down the facts that you're given, but you're putting them through the filter of the world or of structures um, of a, a system that you've been taught over time so like the scientific method for instance you know we go to school we start a chemistry class or biology class and we're taught this methodology for how to find the conclusion uh or when you're writing an academic paper you know your proofs going through it in order to you know discover if your thesis is false or um or if it's correct i like how they like separated those two and actually Mm -hmm and realized that they were different things. Those Mm -hmm. Greeks, they were always thinking about their like thought processes. And it's crazy. That's crazy because I feel like it's one, it's, it's kind of in a way describing both parts of the human brain. So ratio sounds more like the prefrontal cortex and the intuition intellectus intellectus sounds like the, uh, like the reptile brain, like the, intuition or the uh the butterflies in your stomach type thing you know what i mean yeah there is a split between um you know the the qualitative and quantitative thinkers you know the the left brain right brain Uh, what is it the left brain is more of the the arts and the right brain is more of the mathematics is that right yeah it's one of those i don't know yeah i I don't know how much they've i was kind of more more less left right and i was talking more like upper lower but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i don't know much about the left and the right brain stuff i've heard about that like some people have more of a artistic flair and like i guess they do like fmris and like a side of their brain is lit up more than the other Mm -hmm. side um yeah i was just talking more about like the uh the gut feeling versus the the lawyer you Mm -hmm. know yeah. It, oh, yeah. And you said, uh, what were the two parts that you brought up of the brain? Uh, the prefrontal cortex and then mm-hmm. the amygdala. Okay. Uh, you know, the reptile brain amygdala. and the, uh, and the uh, golden retriever brain. Okay. 
And so the golden retriever would be the intellect that, or yeah. So I'm basically, basically I'm kind of butchering that, but the golden retriever brain, it's more, uh, so the, the most modern part of our brain is the one that they, uh, man, I'm going to have to like, remember to look that up and mention yeah. in the next podcast. Cause I don't remember when they say that the prefrontal cortex developed, but that's how we are able to, instead of just thinking, we're able to think about our thoughts. If you, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So the, yeah, that's that would what be makes like us reasoning then that would be yeah. like the ratio, the, you know, the, exactly. the, the development that's what, of the structure. It's what makes us human that, that we can think about the future, think mm -hmm. about the past, uh, figure out a task in front of us, mm -hmm. build, build a tool, that sort of thing. So yeah, prefrontal cortex sounds like ratio before they even knew anything about the science of the brain. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up because I'm coming from it from, you know, the, the very philosophical side and not the, the scientific side. But Which they come awesome together. They, oh, yeah. No, that's what I was about to say. It's awesome when they come together. And a lot of times yeah. there is, you know, I, I like to think of like the old school philosophers as sci-fi writers <laughs> that were yeah. waiting for the philosophy to be proven scientifically or to give proofs towards the philosophy. Maybe not completely. Philosophy will never be proven. Um, but to give, you know, a better understanding of why these arguments are being made. And if there's actual biological evidence behind them, but yeah, there, it's just, for me, it's just wild that we like how you have the intuition. It's part of your, your nature. It's an instinct. Um, but then you have to, we can't escape, you know, our history. We can't escape the culture that we're in. We can't escape the outside factors. Um, yeah. And so when you apply all of those, you get, that's when people become more rational or they can become non-rational based off of their influences and what they choose to believe. So there's this weird connection between how we process information and how this information or what sources we get our information from and then how we process that information. Yeah. Lots of, lots of fear driven stuff. I'm sure mm -hmm. like fear is a huge motivation in that, which tickles the uh, deeper part of the brain, but, I love how philosophers are such, they're totally sci-fi writers, but they're also mm -hmm. like totally comedians as well. Yeah. You know, like the OG comedians, even if it wasn't necessarily like laugh out loud funny, they mm -hmm. were like, they were picking apart culture in this kind of endless battle of epigenetics, this endless battle of culture versus genetics and how they like fuse together, like at that, whatever that is, the focal point or whatever. I don't know what that word is. Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, those, those guys were OGs, man. They thought they like, they're the ones that were like thinking about thinking like mm -hmm. that. I mean, that's so, yeah. that's so useful to do. Like even thinking about your thought processes, I don't know. I think it could go down a rabbit hole and that could be considered mm -hmm. over analysis and dangerous, but a certain level of uh, thinking about your thoughts is very therapeutic and very meditative. Well, yeah. It's the, the field of um, epistemology. Yeah, the, exactly. The study of particularly it's a study of how we differentiate truth from opinion. Um, yeah. And the, it's a very rational thought process. It was one of the things, you know, 
good old Emmanuel Kant was a big fan of. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, before we go, before we keep going, I want to make a note. Check out the YouTube channel Street Epistemology. Street Epistemology. Sweet. Yeah. This guy, awesome. this guy on the street just goes up to people and uh, has conversations with them about what they believe. Nice. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll check that one out. Yeah. It's, and, you know, I, I've been trying to, one, half of this is, you know, what I'm studying right now. But then the other part is just realizing those moments where I'll be reading a news article and all of a sudden I'll, it'll just sort of click where I go, huh, this is what they were talking about. in like modern day, you know, taking a thought from the 1600s or the, yeah. you know, way back, you know, the, the good old times of the Greeks um, partying with all of those gods, good old Dionysus and <laughs> ripping, jo- ripping joints, man, chugging uh-huh. jugs. Yo, just that party God, bruh. That party guy, bro. Uh, get a, get in on the orgy, bro. But uh, <laughs> and for me, um, dude, have you checked out this? Uh, bringing up Virginia real quick. Uh, a a pastor at an evangelical church about uh, maybe about a couple of months ago. I forget the exact date, uh, but he left his church because he basically identified that the white evangelical movement is not following the theology of old school evangelicals, isn't following the belief system that is, you know, charity is uh, love thy neighbor, um, all those golden rules. And he left, like he stepped down in this heartbreaking, you know, it was a tragedy because he was passionate when he stepped into um, his church. He was based out of, um, I think it was uh, Spotswood, and he had to make this this, this decision to leave um, because everybody wasn't. Most of his parishioners were incapable of applying their intuition, and I would say that intuition plays a big part of faith. Faith is something that really can't be proven. It's something Absolutely. that is intuitive, and then through that intuition, you can. St- Starting with the, in, your intuition, you can then build a system to prove your faith. But if you don't start with faith, you're never going to prove, you know, the existence of God. You have to start with absolutely. And even even uh, going beyond proving, just living your life with a moral structure, mm-hmm. like having the faith as a foundation, something that you can't prove or disprove. But having that as your foundation and your guidelines for how you live your life, you know, know, I feel like a lot of people, what is he, what was he like frustrated that people were being pretty hypocritical? Well, hypocritical. um, And really it was the removal of the intuition, people that claim to be practicing Christians showing up to his sermons on Sunday, listening to these uh, messages of peace and love. And instead turning around and listening to the institutions, the, the, the extreme far right, um, the conspiracy theorists, the aggregators, the, these, they were listening through institutions to a message that was anti-Christian and he could no longer have a conversation with his congregation. He was just was heartbroken by 
and I'm of course speaking from this one article I read, so I don't want to get his opinions wrong, but I'm just, I'm projecting what I would feel in a way uh, in that situation. But instead of listening to the intuitive truth, they were listening to a false rationalization of political truths that were being projected by, you know, essentially just people that wanted to stir the pot. Yeah, absolutely. The types, I mean, I, you see that all over the place. Like, I guess thoughts, uh, thoughts basically are the OG memes, really. Mm -hmm. Like having a certain belief system is like one of the OG memes. Yeah. So these days thoughts are spreading like wildfire, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of times these thoughts have no basis in reality. Well, I shouldn't say no basis. I think even even rumors or even the craziest shit out there has like a sliver of truth to it. Mm -hmm. And that truth could just be emotional truth. And I think a lot of that is what's going on is their uh, their a foundation. Their foundation is fear, basically. Like you can kind of, you can kind of wipe the slate clean or get people to operate in like, like switch operating systems. If you, if you inject them with, with some fear, mm -hmm. it kind of, it kind of leads that it kind of like jolts them. Of course, it's still up to them to, you know, I'm not saying they don't bear responsibility for any lunatic shit they say, Yeah, but, but with the, with the right, especially man, the, I mean, the left absolutely has its problems too, but with oh, the yeah. right, the right just seems to be so much. The problem seems to be like exponentially bigger mm -hmm. from, from the way I can, from, from where I'm standing, I could be wrong. I don't know, but it just seems to be much bigger and much more widespread and accepted and radicalized. Basically. Mm -hmm. I think that's got a lot to do with, uh, um, religion uh people people basing their religious ideologies on fear instead of love i think it comes you know you could say a lot of hippie shit about it but i don't know how to boil this down scientifically mm -hmm. but i think there is a difference in your body if you come at something from love versus if you come at something from fear so yeah. i think there's two different religions kind of going parallel to each other in america and we're calling them the same thing, which is Christianity. But in my mind, one of them is followers of Jesus. And one of them is like evangelical. Uh, what, what's the word? Evangelical well, it's, uh, it's false prophets. It's Christian nationalism. Now is the term yeah. that's being used. It's not a, yeah. it's not an acceptance. Um, there's been a lot of movement over the last really the last 60 years to mm -hmm. uh, even within like the Catholic church, we think that, you know, Catholicism is over here in its own little bubble. Uh, but there is about half of uh, Catholics that are um, proposing to make the church more universal, not from the Catholic sense of Catholic means universal, but to allow the truths of the Catholic church to also be able to be applied to other religions, other morality, other thoughts. So becoming much more open and secularized. Uh, you see a lot of that in uh, Francis. He'll, he's moving away from really heavy theological tenets to yeah. making uh, the church much more open uh, to secularization, modernization, what? which has its own little thing. I won't get into that. Um, but this is the reverse and a heavy reverse. 
And a reverse that's not based off of any Christian thought is Christian nationalism. It's complete exclusion. You know, Christ didn't, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, Christ went to lepers. He went to, you know, brothels. He went to the places where it was the poor disenfranchised, the outcast is secluded. And those were like, those were his people, you know? And yeah. now we're, we're creating this, not we are, Christian nationalists are just saying nah, and they're buying into conspiracies. And that's where the ratio part that I was, that's why I wanted to bring up this conversation was that the, the funnel in which they're getting knowledge from the, the structures is completely wrong. Yeah. It's crazy, man. You, you almost kind of like going back to that kind of look at it and, uh, it comes, it also boils down to how, how you see the Bible. Do you mm -hmm. see that as a literal text from day one, from, from when you were a toddler, are you viewing that as a literal text? Mm -hmm. If you are viewing that as a literal text and all of that literally happened, which is not unlike Harry Potter in my, yeah. in my opinion, if you're believing all that and just swallowing all of it, then I think it's not that crazy to take another step and go into this QAnon stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, there is a pushback, man. I, there's, uh, there's some surveys out there, some pretty big numbers as a response to all of this uh, with uh, millennials and faith. There, mm -hmm. there is a skyrocketing amount of millennials and people in the younger generations that are, par that are putting not applicable in the uh, faith column. Yeah, it's well, it's it's skyrocketing. It's like basically like this, just upwards mm -hmm. since the uh, since the mid 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, the fall of communism created. Uh, it's referred to as postmodernization. And yeah. we're still that's the bubble. Uh, that's the political sphere and bubble that we're living in right now. And it's very new. Um, yeah. You know, for a philosophical thought, 20 years or so is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of that, like the disenfranchise of millennials, I think at least comes from looking back into like the sixties and the seventies, seeing that there were these big political movements towards equality, towards enfranchising, uh, you know, the poor and the uh, secluded in the mi in minorities um, trying to create an equality. And during that time, we did have capitalism versus communism you know we had the ussr versus the good old usa and the collapse of communism really hit hard the idea of the a successful nature that the government could become you know a utopian society or could the government could create a utopian society because we saw that we just saw the blatant corruption of communism in the ussr and that's applying a, a historical point to, you know, millennials today. Um, and we're stuck trying to figure out what system we believe in because we currently don't have a system. Now, as we talked about the last time, millennial party, who cares what your beliefs are? Just get young folks in to have that conversation and just, just and start new dialogue as opposed to harboring old quibs from, you know, the 1970s and 80s. Uh, it's yeah. But the, there's two crazy things. Uh, so I know for Catholicism, if you're basically at 18, say you have five 18-year-olds, you're going to have three 
that within 10 years are probably going to identify as atheist or at best agnostic. You're going to have one that claims to be Catholic potentially, but just doesn't practice, maybe goes to Easter, you know, goes to Christmas. Cultural Catholic. Cultural Catholic. And then you'll have one, maybe one, because it's less than 20% of 18 year olds after 10 years will be a practicing Catholic. That's just from the Catholic side. I don't know the evangelical. I don't know the other Christian sides. Um, There will be that one that's practicing Catholic or the three that are agnostic. There might be one that's switched over to another, you know, religion or another sect of Christianity. But what is more terrifying to me about misinformation and specifically within uh, the Christian nationalism is we just got a poll out the other day uh, that three out of five Christian nationalists uh, do not believe that Biden was elected fairly. Three out of five. It's insane. 60% of a very active voting bloc believes that Biden wasn't elected fairly. And how? Like this is the, this is that funneling through whatever structure system that people, wherever they get their knowledge from. Hillary won the popular vote back in the day. Biden won the popular vote this time, and then he won the electoral college. But the moment that people, people are incapable of, in a way, losing, and then they, because they've lost, they just buy into these things that say, oh, no, you're still a winner. And they're not using their intuition. They're, they're not thinking like, okay, yeah, how can I, how can I say that Biden lost when every other election in history that I've been a part of, I, I agreed with. But then magically, this one is the one that he, that I don't agree yeah. with. Yeah, um, the basically white evangelicals have slowly turned into orange evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty scary, man, to see kind of like just herd group mentality on these things. And I, again, I think it really is these knee-jerk reactions out of fear that have been mm-hmm. injected. I mean, it's no coincidence that millennials were b- born under Ronald Reagan. You know, Reagan was the one of the OGs of the, what has now been coming coming to bear with all mm-hmm. of this disenfranchisement, like trickle-down economics bullshit, and basically all of these corrupt tax breaks that really just benefit the 1%, benefit the 0.1% mm-hmm. and kind of have this cyclical nature of this toxic uh, greed at the very top that just holds on to this incredibly top heavy culture that, and you just continually have socialism for the rich and, you know, pull yourselves up by the bootstraps for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's actually truly disgusting to see the people that supposedly follow Jesus side with these mega corporations, yeah. basically side with Rome on this mm-hmm. one, and basically side with the people that m- murdered Jesus. Yeah. So to me, it's it's absolutely reprehensible, but I'm but I, you know, but I can kind of see where it's coming from. I don't agree with it at all, but I can yeah. kind of understand that there's a bunch of very old-fashioned people that are really scared that their way of life is leaving them. And in some ways it is, there's automation taking everything. And I don't know what you think, but to me, it looks like a globally, 
the uh, the structures of religion are starting to like cave in. Uh, I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, I think that there are that liberal democracy does create a a separate. It, you know, we have the separation of church and state, and so there is that separation and that separation is growing larger. Um, we act, we constantly see, you know, the, the rifts between, you know, somebody wanting to put a nativity scene outside of a state Capitol and then, you know, being told, no, yeah. you can't do that. Um, and, but there is, I think more of an acceptance towards all religions that we are becoming much more, open to the idea that I can practice my religion and you can practice yours, but because of how loud certain sects are, we see more of a divide. We see this like breaking down of, as you just pointed out, the, the structures that like, you know, the old timers used to have, you know, there isn't this massive, actually there still is. I mean, think about the evangelical block of voters. It's why Trump pandered with a Bible. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, An upside down Bible. <laughs> yeah. It's, and through this pandering, he was able to, in a way, captivate and trick so many people. Um, you know, this, the uh, American Enterprise Institute, it's a think tank out of DC. Uh, they do some cool work. Um, they're much, they are more, uh, conservative by their nature. Um, they, I believe they're more conservative by their nature. I'm sort of forgetting. I'm mixing up all my, my think tanks. Um, but uh, they just came out saying that like 27% of uh, evangelicals in their study, and I'm not even going to say evangelicals, I'm going to say uh, Christian nationalists, uh, believe that the like completely proven false uh, conspiracy theory that was put out by QAnon that uh, democratic leaders were sex tra child traffickers. Did you hear about this? Totally. You're about the, yeah. So you heard about this, this conspiracy theory, 27%, one out of four Christian nationalists or no, just evangelicals at this point. I'm sorry. It's not even, you are Christian nationalists if you're buying into this. Um, believe that that was true, that it was correct. And it's against insanity. all other, all other facts, they believe to buy into this one conspiracy theorist, this one crazy group that put that out. And instead of focusing on other issues, say like, um, you know, Black Lives Matter during the summer or, uh, you know, re reforming of the police structure, they would always turn that argument, whatever side the, uh, seem liberal or progressive instead of thinking about using their you know their intuition to figure out if that was good or bad you know should we care about all lives yes absolutely are black lives um you know are they are black lives subject to a lot more discrimination than you know white lives absolutely use your intuition and say that we need to focus on this instead nah they would just turn it and say, no, 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 no. 
Like we don't, what black lives, what about the sex, sex trafficking? Like just turning the issue into something that they bought into in order to separate themselves from the potential of actually being a decent human being. It's sad, man. And I, we should clarify that not all Christians are like this. Oh, course, dude, I'm a obviously. Christian. I'm, yeah, I'm a practicing exactly. Catholic. I'll say that. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. And no, and dude, I go tomorrow. I'm going to an awesome uh, food bank that's out and um, we're serving food to the homeless. And it's, that's uh, the way. And it's, I'm Catholic and I'm going to a Catholic Baptist church and we're all working together. And this is what we're doing. It's interfaith and can be beautiful, like using different faiths. Everything is there. But the, the thing that we have in common is that we love each other and that we love our neighbors and that we're trying to make things better. We're not trying to buy into this bullshit that's being put out and then creating this false idea that this is what God wants. Get the fuck out of here, you stupid idiots. I'm sorry I'm going to get mad about this one, <laughs> but this is ludicrous. You're taking something that should be beautiful, manipulating it into something to serve your own interest in order to create what? Just drama because you're fucking yeah. bored or because yeah. you're just too stupid to open up your eyes because you've believed all this crap? This is going to be the one that gets people either riled up or turned off because, damn it, they're pissing me off, dude. <laughs> You can almost tell immediately <laughs> what kind of Christian and I and to be honest, I don't really care what like if like what politics a specific Christian has. But you can tell almost immediately if they're coming from fear or love. And that's what mm -hmm. I was talking about earlier with the two different um, two different like tracks that Christianity are on. I I don't even describe my. I put non-applicable when someone yeah. asks me about my religion and I'm like, not applicable. And they say, Oh, you're an atheist. I'm like, no. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, you're an agnostic. And I'm like, no, that's not how I would describe myself. Yeah. I just, I think, I think love is absolutely a, it can be a spiritual religion without a doubt. So if you, I know it's kind of hippie, but it, it's kind of hard to do every day, but to kind of like come from a place of love in your daily life or joy you know, so I kind of look at focus more of those like elevated emotions as a way to be spiritual. But you totally, man, I think what, what I was saying before with the religion collapsing, I mean that the old systems uh, that mm. supported religion, like an old version of religion are collapsing. I absolutely think that religion needs to evolve and Christianity needs to evolve It's if it's going to survive because you yeah. can't have like it the whole like bigoted against like gay marriage like the bigots against all that you just that's not a sustainable structure moving mm -hmm. forward it might i mean so this is basically we're coming again we're coming up against the very first in my mind i can't think of another one the very first existential moment for religion around the world and christianity with yeah. when you look at that like sharp massive surge of people that say no like they don't have a religion in their life but the, it's important to be spiritual mm -hmm. uh, but with pope francis i think you're seeing that evolution where in my mind there has to be something done that tells people from an early age hey these stories in the bible are uh ways are, are not to be taken i don't know how you feel about this but in my mind, someone needs to be literally telling these kids in Sunday school that these stories are not literal and you need to be coming from a place of love 
And in my mind, the stories of the Bible are more like a map of consciousness, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it maps the different things a, a human is capable of doing both good and evil. That's why there's a lot of murder in the Bible, but there's also a lot of beautiful things in the Bible yeah. too. Well, the stories, even if the thing with taking the, if you read the Bible word for word and you take it as historical fact, even if you do that, you're dealing with the Old Testament, which does have a lot of beauty and a lot of love, but has a lot of hard life lessons in it. It's got a lot of violence in it, and too. Then, yeah, but that's life. Like, life is violent. Like, we... Exactly. We can't well, that's why I'm saying that. it's a, a map of yeah. human consciousness, almost. Mm -hmm. But then you get to the New Testament, and from the Old Testament, you see those values, the lessons, the struggle, the, the reality of life turned into how can you use how can you take what is bad and turn it into something that's beautiful and loving and you can read it word for word through the text and understand the text as a whole not piecemeal and that's where i think people get in trouble because you could read it and say there is a difference between saying the world is flat and that it was created in seven days but that's a whole different conversation. And that's actually a really cool story. How it's, how it sort of relates to modern uh, science. Uh, oh, and yeah. And yeah. Uh, the garden and the garden of Eden was in yeah. Africa and the people on the plains were eating mushrooms, mm -hmm. not yeah. apples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but people piecemeal it. They take that one phrase. Yeah. They, well, that's instead of, I mean, that's the it. dumbest thing about yeah. it. Like Christians, nobody, almost no Christian has read the Bible front of, and front to back mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working on it but it's also not meant to be read page one to page you know dude whatever. there needs to all, all, all i'm saying man is there needs to be some sort of separation between the religion between religion and ancient religious text if we're if if religion is going to survive religion needs to move much more into the spiritual nature of love and the like just the tenets of hey be cool man well, and, religion. and really really get out of politics if yeah. they're going to have any chance of surviving well religion should then i'll also even say this religion should be that way already you have it should be but the, it isn't Chris, and that's because it's because of this it's because when man instead of applying you know all all of his knowledge decides to only take one thing. It's when it's when somebody buys into a QAnon conspiracy theory and forgets all the other tenets of, you know, what they're supposed to be practicing or what they claim to practice. Uh, and there's this, there is this loss of the truth and the value. The basic tenet of Christianity is one. Well, Christianity is two things. God is love and God's, and his son down in order to redeem the world because the world was so bad and he loved God loves man so much that he allowed his son to die in order to redeem man. Like, yeah, God, is, that's, that's it. And it's all love. It's completely about love and redemption. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally, totally. It should be WWJD. That should be the entire religion mm -hmm. in my mind. That in my in my mind, that should be the entire thing. And Jesus but, was a uh, cool dude. Like when he saw yeah. things that were wrong, like people trying to 
sell things right outside of the temple where they should have just been like praying, chilling and, you know, loving each other. He's like, get, get out of here. Get out of here. Flipping tables and telling you to go to what, go away. But get the hell out of here. You know, you think about this one dude say, okay, just take this as like, we're just going to claim everything that was in the new Testament happened as it was told in the gospels. Just run with me for a second. This dude shows up to the scene when he's about 30, 32. He makes some, he takes some water and he turns it into wine and creates a big ass party for people to celebrate and have a good time. Then he walks around curing the sick and just basically telling people love each other. And then some big wealthy dudes get mad and have him killed. Basically. Yeah. It's. And I mean, that's basically (laughs) what went down. Religion is such a crazy. It's it's so uh, I don't know how to feel about it, man, because there's some beauty. There's some absolutely beautiful moments. But, you know, I think, you know, when you know, when like something bad happens, that's the thing that sticks out in your mind, even though it's like two minutes out of like however many minutes, how many minutes are in a day? I don't even Mm -hmm. know, like a thousand or whatever. But that's the thing that sticks out. There's mm-hmm. so many of those thorns that stick out for me with religion. I was, I was turned off at like, I basically stopped when I was like 13. I was, yeah. I, I basically, I, I had to keep going to church cause I was forced to, which really sucked. But I basically had my own little like internal, like conspiracy with myself. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not buying into this anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I, I come from a, everyone comes from a biased point of view, but, but with religion, man, I just wish people could just be cool and just stay out of other people's business. If they're not harming anyone, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just this, this lunatic, this lunacy of getting involved with like uh, gay marriage and getting involved with drug laws and getting involved with like other people's decisions on the, the fetus growing inside of them. And it's just, they try, they're trying to be these like really huge buzzkill referees. And meanwhile, they are the ones that these Christian nationalists in explode with rage and like fear when someone tries to tell them what to do. So mm-hmm. I just think that, I just think the whole thing is just getting too out of hand with the hypocrisy yeah. on both ends. I'm not saying that the, the left is, so hypocritical too but they it's got but it's not into it's not like they are not uh covered in the vines of religion they're covered in the vines of whatever else but not religion so it but with as far as religion goes man it's getting too entangled and it is turning kids off yeah like it's disgusting to them and for good reason They, they they grew up since birth they've had an iphone or like mm-hmm. kids past 2007 have had an iPhone. So all they need to do is Google something. They don't need to listen to their like racist uncle about what happened mm-hmm. or about what supposedly happened. So all I'm saying, man, is there needs to be an evolution with how religion goes. And I hope that someone figures that out. I think the Pope is on the right track. Yeah, he's, he's chill. Francis is a cool guy. Yeah. No, it's, and I think that that was a a great point to end on. I'll just say, you know, I get, I get upset by hypocrisy on both sides. And that's why I had my little outburst 
Um, but it was you know, a good outburst. I, yeah, I liked it. All I can, all I can really hope for is that people really start using their intuition more. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. we can, we can identify where, a tr- where the truths are coming from a little bit more clear and that we aren't, we aren't negative towards hearing dissenting and different opinions and we're willing to allow those to sink in and to have you know some sort of presence and purpose Um, because you know it is we are all everybody's truth is going to be different it's always going to be contextual it's always going to have you know these different elements that we each can and can't relate to within each other so for, you know, those out there buying into crazy conspiracies, I mean, heck, we just talked about one the other day, but, you know, some are fun, some are harmful. And, you know what, I want to just send all of those, you know, those struggling out there with that, the anger and fear, you know, just a little bit of peace and a little bit of love. So I'll, I'll end that on a happy note. <laughs> true, true. I, I couldn't agree more, Lance. It's about peace and love. Uh, there, there needs to be some, some way to teach intuitive reasoning. Mm-hmm. Something needs to happen on a wide scale to kind of listen to your gut because at the yeah. moment, the gut is being silenced by the internet, TV, magazines, and high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're just going to have to get back there somehow. So I'm not sure how we get there, but I completely agree with you. Yeah. You know, or we just all create our little communes and do our own thing. <laughs> and start a new religion on Mars. Uh-huh. Let's do it. All right, brother. Well, good chatting with you. Love you, man. Peace. Love you too, dude. See you later.